I'm Lisa, and together we are Two Sober Chicks. So good to see you. It's good to see you. We're looking at each other through Skype. The straight is in the closet, and the gay is in the kitchen. That's right. How weird is that? (laughs) Following COVID protocol, (laughs) I refuse to go in the closet again. I told you that. (laughs) Never again. It was bad enough when you dragged me in there on your phone. I couldn't protest. <laughs> I couldn't walk out on my own. I guess I could have hung up on you. But yeah, so we're trying this, um, recording our podcast via Skype. So hopefully the sound quality is, I think it'll be a little bit better than the f- phone. Yeah. You on your mic and me on a phone or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so it's still not 100% the same as being in the same room and being on our amazing microphones, but it's something anyway. Hey, did you know that Deanna turned one year old? Amazing. I know. Congratulations. For our listeners, Deanna. And uh, there was a lot of birthdays recently. Oh, Wendy, um, one of our friends from St. Clements was Mm -hmm. one year. Um, We got a couple little babies coming up, what, six months or so? Was it Kelly and uh, is Trish? How long has Trish been in the program? I have no idea who Trish is. Trish. From your badass women's warrior from the states oh trish yeah <laughs> Oops, sorry trish i'm just i'm brain You're, dead i cannot be held responsible for anything at this moment in time yeah you do look a little tired a little burnt out i am okay well okay, okay. so let's get on to this before you pass out okay <laughs> at the mic at the wheel so to speak so the first thing we were going to do was you were going to do a little reading from melody beady and what's today's reading i love melody beady i know and she's got really lush okay so maybe i shouldn't say this but i know somebody that went on some dates with her and she was like dude get your shit together like she was not putting up with nonsense and i love it so this isn't just a woman that like writes stuff and doesn't practice what she preaches oh she practices it and she's got beautiful luscious lips i'm looking at her picture on the back of the book Mm -hmm. so anyways um lisa and i happen to love her neither of us know the reading for today so i'm gonna read it it's called difficult people oh how appropriate december 5th before you get into the reading and speaking of difficult people, wasn't she going to run for president of the United States? I'd like to know what happened with that. I believe she did, but I don't oh. remember what happened. Okay. Because I was really thinking that would have been awesome. That would have been a very different presidency. Okay, continue. Okay. Difficult people. Few things can make us feel crazier than expecting something from someone who has nothing to give. Few things can frustrate us more than trying to make a person someone he or she isn't. We feel crazy when we try to pretend that person is someone he or she is not. We may have spent years negotiating with reality concerning particular people from our past and our present. We may have spent years trying to get someone to love us in a certain way when that person cannot or will not. It is time to let go. It is time to let him or her go. That doesn't mean we can't love that person anymore. It means that we will feel the immense relief that comes when we stop denying reality and accepting them for who they are. That was an ad lib. It actually says when we stop denying reality and begin accepting. We release that person to be who he or she actually is. We stop trying to make that person be someone he or she is not. We deal with our feelings and walk away from the destructive system. 
we learn to love and care differently in a way that takes reality into account. We enter into a relationship with that person on new terms. That's true. Taking ourselves and our needs into account. If a person is addicted to alcohol, other drugs, misery, oh, that's good, or other people, we let go of his or her addiction. We take our hands off of it. We give his or her life back. And we, in the process, are given our life and freedom in return. We stop letting what we are not getting from that person control us. We take responsibility for our life. We go ahead with the process of loving and taking care of ourselves. We get to decide how we want to interact with that person, taking reality and our own best interests into account. We get angry, we feel hurt, but we land in a place of forgiveness. We set him or her free and we become set free from bondage. This is the heart of detaching in love. Today, I will work at detaching in love from troublesome people in my life. I will strive to accept reality in my relationships. I will give myself permission to take care of myself in my relationships with emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual freedom for both people as my goal. That's awesome. You know, I love it when we break things down. Like um, my sponsor taught me, especially with the big book, um, go to the dictionary, look up words. That helps to break it down. Um, uh, I liked, that's how I learned about the word agnostic means without knowledge of something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's, that's perfect for me. I am an agnostic. I am really without knowledge of God. I'm really without knowledge of a higher power. I can't describe it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't feel it. I don't know what it is, but I, I believe in it. I know that it's there. I know that I have a higher power. I know that it exists. And I got that from looking something up and, and dissecting it. And when you read that line that said, um, uh, we may have spent years negotiating with reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at that sentence and then break it down and, and take it out of context and think about it like, can you imagine spending years negotiating anything? How frustrating oh God. would that be? No kidding. Like think about a lawsuit or some sort of contract mm-hmm. and taking years and putting years of effort into that. You, as a sane person, you would be like, I wouldn't do that. But yet we do these things without thinking, if we don't actually analyze and look into it, that's actually what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I liked, I really like that line. We have spent years negotiating with reality concerning particular people from our past and our present. Um, my mom and I, like I did this with my mom, expecting her to be someone different than who yeah. she is. You know, I have a really pretty good relationship with my mom today because I stopped expecting her to be something that she isn't and something Mm -hmm. that I wanted, something different. Um, And I've learned too, my part is always about, you know, looking back, okay, what did I do to maybe set this ball in motion? Or have I not, have I failed to set boundaries? So this was such a great reading. What else? What did you get from it? I liked that exact sentence as applied to our addiction. Like, the reality of that relationship is that it was destroying my life, it had complete control over me, and I refused to see reality. It was there, but I refused to see it, so I negotiated my own reality. I don't have a problem with it, it's not that big of a deal, I'm managing just fine. And so, 
comparing our addiction because we are in a relationship with our addiction. So oftentimes I think about these difficult people, like my relationship with alcohol was my most difficult, damaging, abusive relationship I've ever had in my life. So codependent. I mean, I don't know how dependent it was on me. (laughs) Yes. Well, it needs you to drink it. That's about it. But (laughs) (laughs) I will be alive. You will be my host. (laughs) That's great. Um... I also liked the misery comment. Because I know, I have a person in my life that is absolutely addicted to misery. And any time they have any measure of peace in their life, they have to do something to create a battle with someone or something in order to be miserable. Like they literally don't know how to be happy or okay. Um, I call her also a crisis junkie. Like she's always like exhausted by how much she gives to people. And then she's resentful because she overgives. Yet when, when she's finally gotten to a place where she's like, okay, it's time for self-care. I'm not helping anyone. Two days later, I'm talking about my cousin, by the way, two days later, (laughs) two days later, she's like driving over to do an intervention at someone's house. That burns her out. She was so disturbed by what she found that she's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm letting his wife take care of it. Yet the second he gets out of rehab, guess who's driving the bus with all the friends got to get him. Yeah. And that doesn't work out. It's just like she can't. She sees, she says, I'm the person that I can't just help a lady across cross the street. I have to take them into their, my home, change their diaper, feed them food, call out their family, do their <laughs> oh my Christmas God. card. She can't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with that's how she connects with people is through misery. I mean, I was like that too, right? The big, yep. the reason I had such a great relationship at one point with my parents was because I would just gossip and bash my siblings with them. Right. And then when that went away, I didn't have anything to talk to them about. But yeah. also that sense of a lot of people just can't be quiet because they hear themselves and that's a scary place to be. So they'd rather focus on something big and dramatic that they can distract themselves with than to go inside Mm. and be like, I'm a fucking mess. And chaos is what they know. I know because that was my life too. And then, and in sobriety, you hit these moments where you're like, you feel like something's wrong and actually nothing's wrong. You're just not used to things being okay. Mm-hmm. You're used to chaos. You're used to drama. So when things are like going even keel, you're like, something's wrong. And you're like waiting for the other shoe to fall mm-hmm. because you're used to that kind of behavior. And sometimes we end up creating it ourselves, which is why I think a lot of people in recovery, a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous people, people in recovery from addictions, uh, they talk about how this program saved their life in so many other ways beyond putting the drink or the drug down. It's like we learn how to behave. We're learning anew how to behave. And that's one of the ways it's like not getting on the hamster wheel, not getting involved in other people's drama or catching ourselves when we do, you know, the smoker across the hall who I want to murder, um, who smokes all the time and it comes into my (laughs) unit and causes me migraines and asthma problems and all kinds of shit. You know, the other day I I caught myself, I was saying, I'm going to get on the board. I should get on the board. And then I said, oh, wow, there's my alcoholic brain. You know, if I was in control of the board (laughs) for the condo, then maybe I could facilitate change. In other words, i.e., I could control the situation and the outcome to my liking. And I was like, you know, I just, 
I have to, some things you just have to live with. Like I've done everything I possibly can. I've written the board. I've written management. Um, there are, he's allowed to smoke in his own home. It's just unfortunate design of the building, a flaw that the ventilation system forces the air out of his apartment down the hall and into mine. Um, and there's nothing I can do about it except move. And I don't want to sell my home. <laughs> well, we can also always pray that he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Prayer changes things. Didn't you know oh that? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we've always said you and I pray a little differently. So if you want to pray that way for well, me, <laughs> I will allow it. Um, and I will always pray for God's will. And hopefully it will be that he dies. <laughs> I keep saying, I say to my wife, I'm like, why is this man still alive? Since COVID hit, he has done nothing but stay holed up in his apartment and smoke cigarettes 24 fucking seven. Probably still wears a mask when he goes out because he's afraid of catching that. And yeah, dying. but it's okay for him to smoke. A, yeah, anyway, I, ha I forget how we got on this topic. I think it was about our isms and control. And control. Control. Yep. Um, people who love misery. Love chaos and misery. Yes. Oh, Melody BDC. I love how we can take a topic and then we can just sort of morph into, you know, a stream of consciousness. It's how about, we've always done it. About these things. So No scripts. No script. No, that's right. Um, okay, well, let's end here and then maybe we have, you'll have enough energy for another one. I can hang on to you for another 15 okay. minutes. Sure. So, thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Too Tired but sober checks. <laughs> <laughs>